Hello and welcome to What You've Been Watching, an up-to-the-minute film and TV podcast where your host and leading film critic Roshan Chandy gives you his recommendations for what to watch in the world of TV and film, rounds up the weekly entertainment news and asks guests and listeners the big question, what you've been watching. Hello, Roshan Chandy here, and welcome to this week's episode of What You've Been Watching. Had a good week, anyone? I certainly have. I've been watching more films and writing reviews for different publications and websites, and I look forward to sharing those with you over the next few days on my site. Now, you may remember that last week I asked you a big question, uh, the title of the show, in fact, and that question is, What You've Been Watching? It can be anything. Just let me know what you've been watching on TV, at the cinema, provided they're still open or on home viewing services and maybe just a little bit of your opinion on what you've watched and I've been checking my podcast email address that's uh, what you've been watching at roshansreviews.co.uk to see if I got any responses and there weren't many but there were a few and not specifically you know messages saying what people have been watching but more just general messages about what's been going on in the world of tv and film and as someone who is new to this game in terms of podcasting and responding to my podcast email address any kind of message is music to the ears for me i'm just thrilled that people got in touch and please for next week do get in touch about whatever you like it's just nice to know that i've got listeners this is basically the segment of my show where i read out your responses to my questions of what you've been watching. I'll try to keep it brief as there's a lot to talk about on today's show, but here's just a soundbite of some of your responses. I've received two separate emails this week from a good friend of mine, Henry Bright, um, who let me know about two major stories in the entertainment industry. Here's the first one from Henry. Hey, Roshan. So I've just read a really interesting article about the BBC and ITV in a bidding war to bring Bradley Walsh in to become a main presenter and likening him to the legendary Sir Bruce Forsyth. I read it in an article from the Daily Mirror and so maybe there might be more stories about Bradley Walsh being wanted by both the BBC and ITV. If there aren't many articles about this, it's either fake news, which I don't think, or you could be the first person to break the news, which, you know, could mean that you become an authoritative voice on this subject. Best wishes, Henry. And he also gave me a link to the article. Um, This was in reference to an article in the Daily Mirror about Bradley Walsh, who many people will know from Doctor Who, being caught in a bidding war between the BBC and ITV over who gets him to present for them. Henry went on to pen another email with another major news story in the entertainment industry. It it goes something like this. Hi, Roshan. After the success of I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here being held at Gritch Castle, I hope I pronounced that right, I don't think I did, ITV bosses who don't think that the pandemic will get better anytime soon, meaning that they won't be able to hold the series like it was in Australia. So they'll have to hold it again at the Welsh Castle. Uh, he, he then included a link to uh, an article about this in Metro. And this is, of course, about how ITV will be holding the 2021 series of I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here at the Welsh Castle. I'm not going to try and pronounce the name again. <laughs> and as we know, the pandemic is showing no sign of slowing down. And 
will therefore mean a return to Oz looks highly unlikely. Um, thank you very much, Henry, for getting in touch. It is very much appreciated. I'll pose the question again at the end of the episode, but I can't stress enough please do email me at my podcast email address. That's what you've been watching at roshansreviews.co.uk. And just let me know what you've been watching. So that's your responses out of the way for today. Now I'm going to tell you what I've been watching this week and maybe give you some recommendations. Hope you enjoy. So I've been watching Pieces of a Woman on Netflix. Now this is the latest film from a Hungarian filmmaker named Cornel Mandruxo. He's made several films in Hungarian, but this is his English language feature debut and is based on his and screenwriter Kata Weber's 2018 stage play of the same name. It's been doing the rounds at Venice last year and has been garnering awards buzz for Vanessa Kirby, who is really shaping up as the rising star of 2021 to watch. Many people will know her from The Crown on TV where she played Princess Margaret. She won the Volpe Cup for Best Actress at Venice and many people are tipping her to pick up Best Actress at the 2021 Oscars, if they even happen at all. But most importantly, this film, Pieces of a Woman, is notable because it features a 22-minute, one-shot birth scene. Now, as a man, the subject of childbirth is something I'm very pleased to say I know nothing about. (laughs) All I can say to the prospect of a 22-minute birth scene that's made to look like it was filmed all in one take is that that must have been painful to film. And like I said, I know nothing about birth and I'm very pleased to know nothing about that. All I really know is that films have a long history of birth scenes. I mean, think back to Rosemary's Baby, for example, where the birth of Satan's child was pleasingly off-screen. Or even non-human entities have had some suitably horrific birth scenes. I mean, think about Alien, for example, with that chest versus scene, the xenomorph baby coming out with John Hurt's chest. More recently, poor Emily Blunt had to give birth in silence in a bathtub or potentially get faced with having herself and her unborn baby eaten alive by creatures that if they hear you they hunt you in a quiet place. You get the point. Childbirth has long been a subject of cinematic displeasure on the big screen but even by most gory birth standards this movie Pieces of a Woman sets new records for birth scenes and one born every minute grossness. The basic plot is Shia LaBeouf and Vanessa Kirby are Sean and Martha. He's a long-suffering construction worker. She's an executive. They're expecting their first child together any day now, and they're hoping to have a home birth, as this is Martha's greatest wish. So Martha goes into labour one evening, and the couple phone up their midwife, but she can't make it, and so sends a replacement midwife named Eva, played by Molly Parker, in her place. And after a long period of pushing, Eva manages to successfully deliver the baby. But there is a catch, because she becomes concerned when the newborn turns blue and very quickly goes into cardiac arrest and dies. So Martha and Sean attend the coroner, as people do when someone unexpectedly dies, and they've basically been pressured by Martha's ultra-conservative mother, Elizabeth, played by Ellen Burstyn, that Eva the midwife was responsible for the baby's death. Elizabeth basically says Eva will rot in prison. So legal proceedings begin against Eva, all the while the couple grapple hopelessly with the sudden and quick loss of their child. First thing to say is that 
like I said, this movie, Pieces of a Woman, sets new records for graphic birth scenes. This birth is incredibly realistic, extremely grueling, and clearly very well researched. Right from the cold fluid placed on Martha's stomach by Eva for an ultrasound, to the animalistic noises made by Martha when pushing, to even words of encouragement like, that's it girl. This birth scene could easily substitute for any educational video about this painful process of procreation. Vanessa Kirby commits herself completely and superbly to the tough ordeal. Her screams, grunts and growls really made me believe she was going through the most painful thing a woman can ever go through. And I also found a scene where she lactates through her shirt when she sees a little girl in a shop particularly moving. It's a really strong suggestion of the emotional and psychological impact the aftermath of childbirth can leave on the mother. Shia LaBeouf is very fine too. I can't quite believe I'm saying this as I've had a pretty troubled history with Shia LaBeouf in the past, but I've grown to like him and accept him more as an actor in films like Honey Boy and Borg vs. McEnroe. He's very good here as a supportive husband who's always so supportive and comforting during the birth and equally heartfelt in the aftermath. I was really moved by a scene of him breaking down when swinging on a pole next to the Charles River. That scene really encapsulates that it's not just the mother who bears the brunt of losing a child, but the dad too. Definitely a very moving scene. I think the biggest theme of this movie is grief, which runs throughout the whole latter half of the film, and Kirby's Martha and LaBeouf's Sean both have very different ways of dealing with it. I mean, there's a scene where Sean tries to engage Martha in sex, but she's turned off and can't get excited the way he does. You get the impression that Sean uses sex as a kind of escape from the traumas of losing a child, along with returning to snorting cocaine, which he does in one scene. I think the grief scenes are really this movie's strongest scenes, and to be honest, that's why it's such a shame that the central courtroom coroner's case is sorely underwritten. You were supposed to really care about Eva the midwife and whether or not she was responsible for the baby's death, and I just didn't. This court case was clearly intended to be and should have been the beating heart of the drama, but it felt very tacked on. It all eventually builds to a rather hackneyed and sentimental resolution. That being said, I did think Ellen Burstyn was very good as Martha's ultra-conservative mother, who really lays the blame at either the midwife's feet. The feeling, though, about this film that I really couldn't shake from my body was that the movie seemed to really have no idea what to do with itself after that horrific birth scene. It really felt like all the director Mandruxo's energy and attention was drained on birthing a child and then didn't have a clue what to do for the rest of the next one hour, 40 minutes. I think Vanessa Kirby definitely deserves Oscar attention for her performance as Martha. This is definitely her year, and I think we'll be seeing a lot more of her over the coming years. And she's terrific here. It's easily the most physically shaking and demanding performance of the year, and it would be criminal if she doesn't at least get a nomination. I hate to say it, but I think Shia LaBeouf also deserves awards attention too, and maybe even Ellen Burstyn. But one feeling I just couldn't shake from my body is a feeling I have with a lot of Oscar bait dramas like this. It's a real sense of, yeah, the performances were great, shame about the rest of the movie. I just don't think the film itself here matches the power of the acting, and to be honest, the movie completely lost steam the moment that opening birth scene was over. So Vanessa Kirby's acting 10 out of 10, the rest of the movie is a solid 7, and that's Pieces of a Woman, which is available on Netflix now. 
Earlier this week, I learned some truly terrifying news that literally made me want to insert pointed matchsticks under my fingernails. It's not the continually rising COVID infection rates, or the news of the new variants emerging from South Africa and Brazil, or the fact that the vaccines may not work against these variants. No, I'm talking about the truly heart-wrenching announcement that Sex and the City, the most toxic show on telly, and responsible for the monstrosity of Sex and the City 2, will be returning to the small screen for 10 half-hour episodes. But there is a catch. Ladies, contain yourselves. Because Kim Cattrall, who is the only Brit on the show, and to be honest, the least vile of the leading four, won't be returning when the new series airs on HBO Max. HBO didn't say why Cattrall won't be appearing in the new show entitled And Just Like That, which is a reference to one of the show's original catchphrases. However, Cattrall has had a pretty tricky relationship with the show in recent years, and with Sarah Jessica Parker in particular. She specifically said there was a toxic relationship with her co-stars. This was when she ruled out appearing in a third Sex and the City movie. I just want to highlight that word toxic, because to be honest, that couldn't be a better fitting way to describe the show, and perhaps Cattrall just realised just how toxic it was and decided to walk out. We talked about Emily in Paris, which is also from Darren Star last week, obviously, and how crap it was. And to be honest, there are a lot of similarities between Emily in Paris and Sex and the City. And the criticism made by almost every woman I know that I don't get Emily in Paris or Sex and the City because I'm a 23-year-old bloke. And to some extent, yes, that might be true. I'm not a young or middle-aged woman who would absolutely love these shows because they tap into their interests like fashion, shoes, handbags, beautiful cities. But overall, I just don't think the fact that I'm the wrong age or gender for this stuff is a good enough argument against something being crap. Let me make this clear. I don't hate Sex and the City because I'm a man, and so therefore not the target audience. I hate it because it is racist, sexist, xenophobic, and really just vile. All the characters are the definition of toxic. Vile, 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 vile. They are so self-obsessed and egotistical, and all they care about is shoes, dresses, and Louis Vuitton handbags. I don't for one minute believe that real women talk the way these women do in the show, and I think the show's gender politics are more poisonous than a tiger snake. Kim Cattrall isn't returning because she found working on the show toxic, which really sums up exactly why Sex and the City is moral poison. And yet so many women I know absolutely love it, which is pretty worrying to be honest. I just think it's crap, and of all the things I've hated hearing on the news this past week, they all seem like escapist dreams compared to the thought of another series of Sex and the City. Could things get any worse? So we're coming up to the end of this week's show, and it's time once again for my top five films of the week. These are five films that have really captured my attention over the past seven days, and my recommendations for you to watch over the next seven days. I've stuck rigidly to movies released on home viewing services, as the cinemas are still closed and look set to be for quite a while. So here it goes, here's my top five films of the week. At number five is Wonder Woman 1984, which is now available on multiple streams 
streaming platforms after an all-too-brief theatrical window. Gal Gadot and Kristen Wiig are a terrific feminist two-hander in this 80s-inflected superhero sequel that has an optimism 2021 needs. At number four, it's Falling, Viggo Mortensen's excellent and sincere directorial debut about clashing values and dementia. Terrific stuff on Curzon Home Cinema. At number three, I've gone for Possessor, an audacious mix of science and schlock from Brandon Cronenberg, Son of David, available on multiple streaming platforms now. At number two, it's Mank on Netflix, David Fincher's brilliant new movie about the making of Citizen Kane, with a best-supporting actress-worthy performance from Amanda Seyfried as... Marion Davis. And still sticking there at number one, I picked Soul on Disney+. Plus. Pixar's lovely, jazzy look at life, death, and the afterlife. That's my top five films of the week, and that brings today's show to a wrap. So that's it. This week's show done and dusted. But as always, I'm going to leave you with a very big question. That's simultaneously the title of the show that's what you've been watching i want to know what you've been watching what's been keeping you glued or not glued to the screen whether that's on tv at the cinema unlikely given they're closed or on streaming services whatever it is let me know at my podcast email address that's what you've been watching at roshansreviews.co.uk i'll read out the best responses on next week's show that's it from me thank you so much for listening and happy watching so that's it. This This podcast's intro and outro music was brought to you by Music for Makers and was their own track, Stop and Go. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you again soon.